The social change culture wants to influence children's attitudes and beliefs away from family values in Christ. But first, they have to diminish the voice of the parents. How do we respond to a culture that wants to destroy family? I'll tell you how. We strengthen the very institution that they're afraid of, the family. It all begins with the family. Welcome to the Monica Klein Show, and I'm your host, Monica Leal Klein. Welcome to the show, guys. So, um, have you all heard about the big news in Texas? I think you have heard about it. The Heartbeat Act. The Heartbeat Act. It is the law in Texas. It just what became law on September 1st, just yesterday, on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Thursday evening. <laughs> Basically, it bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. Now, it's, it's not because of just six weeks of pregnancy. It's when the heartbeat is detected, which is usually at six weeks. So guys, what this means is we have little babies, little, little babies at six weeks who have hearts and they're beating at six weeks and they will be protected. Any baby who has a heartbeat will be protected from abortion. Every single one of them. And what's amazing about this is that majority of the abortions happen in the first trimester. So six weeks or, or later. So this means that majority of abortions or essentially abortion is illegal in the state of Texas. Now I know that the abortion advocates are livid about this. Planned Parenthood is so upset about this because not only can they not do abortions, but if they do conduct an abortion, this law says that they not only will be, that it'll be a crime, they will be fined. Um, they, they, they can basically have a lot of lawsuits brought against them from civil people. And they could get, and even they said that they will be inundated with so many lawsuits that they won't be able to do their job. And you know what their job is? To kill preborn babies. Their job is to convince women or the parents, both of them, that they are unable, incapable of raising a child. They, their job is to convince the culture that you cannot have true freedom unless you end the life of your child. And so they're basically saying we can't do those things because we will be dealing with so many lawsuits. Well, praise God for that. So basically we are celebrating in Texas over the heartbeat act. Um, it did go, it did get sent to a bid to the Supreme court saying, Hey, this is unconstitutional. Make this stop. The Supreme court said, I think they actually today had a vote five to four saying that, that the Texas uh, heartbeat act is, is fine. It's not a, un, unconstitutional. And so right now it, it continues to be law. So what we'll see, I'm sure that there's going to be some more pushback on that. Um, I, I'm not a policy expert, so I'm not sure I can't predict what's going to happen. But for now, the babies of Texas with a heartbeat will be protected from abortion. So we're really excited about that. And, and the other thing 
is that we knew that this would happen. We knew that it was very potential, the potential that this would happen. And and when I talk to my pro-life friends in Texas and in other states, we have been telling each other for the last few years, we need to ramp up what we're doing because at some point abortion is going to be illegal and we need to be prepared to love and support and provide resources to the families who are going to have their children. And so every pregnancy center in Texas, I believe is prepared for this. Uh, churches, I think they're going to get ramped up as well, but they have a whole pro-life community who's willing to help them with that. Uh, one of the things that I love, a ministry that I love is called Embrace Grace. If you have not heard of Embrace Grace, I want you to Google that, uh, get on the internet and, and search for Embrace Grace. And it is an amazing ministry that was started by a woman, um, Amy Ford. She had, uh, experienced an unplanned pregnancy with her then boyfriend in high school, They were teens, they were Christian, um, but they did have sex outside of marriage and they experienced a lot of people turning away from them because of this and it broke their heart, you know, but their parents, both his parents and her parents really supported these teens. They eventually married and, and are still married and have, I don't even know how many kids, but they have a lot of kids. I think they even have grandchildren now. Um, and they started a ministry called embrace grace about having grace for, uh, unwed couples or un, uh, or an unwed mother who is pregnant. And so they've created Bible studies that churches can use to help these young girls to know their identity in Christ, um, to choose life, to help them become, um, good, good parents, um, to teach them God's will for them, um, to abstain until marriage. Um, it's an amazing, amazing ministry. And so that's something that you can have in your church. In addition to, uh, fundraising or volunteering at your local pregnancy resource center. So there's a lot of things that you can be doing to support, uh, young women or any woman really who is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Um, that we also have a lot of ministries that are providing post-abortive care. There's still the need for, for that, for women who have have had abortions. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can get plugged in. I think one of the good ways that you can learn more about that is just, you know, look up some of the local pro-life organizations in your community and see where you can volunteer. And as you're volunteering and learning more about the pro-life movement, you'll eventually find where you fit, right? You might decide I'm really good at the counseling piece, or I'm really good at collecting the diapers or doing fundraisers, you know? So, so the more you volunteer, the more you're going to realize what your gifting is and you'll know exactly where you need to get plugged in. So we're really excited about the heartbeat act. And what's also, also great about this is that it's a model for other States. And so we're going to hopefully start to see this at other States And then we'll also find out if, um, you know, what's going to come out of Roe versus Wade as well. So this might just be a, um, kind of like a little happy foreshadowing in this case of maybe ending Roe versus Wade as well. So very happy in Texas, uh, talking about Texas. Do y'all know I live in a farm? I moved to a farm last August. It it was over, over a year ago that I moved to this farm. And part of having a farm is that I need to grow my own crop and have animals. (laughs) So guys, I've been 
I, I don't even know what year it is, like a 1970-something Ford tractor. It's blue and white. It's absolutely adorable. Um, I know most farmers are like, you're not supposed to say your tractor is adorable, but um, it is. It's super cute, and it works really great. And I've been plowing, and after I plowed, I drug, I don't know what, behind the tractor to flatten out the big pieces of dirt. Uh, and I'm basically preparing, my husband and I are preparing our crop for the fall. We're going to be growing oats. Um, we're going to put up a new fence. I mean, I have been crazy busy on this farm and I have loved it. But one of the things that I learned about on the farm that I think, well, number one, I've got all kinds of crazy bugs. Um, I have seen... Uh, I don't, I don't even know what they are. I have all kinds of bright green bugs and, and some of them like to hang out on the barbecue pit for some reason. Others like the rocking chairs. Uh, I just got bugs all over the place, big ones, little ones, but I, I actually like bugs. So if, if any of your kids, uh, like bugs, um, I, I would probably hang out with them a lot because <laughs> I love bugs. I think they're fascinating. So I'm super happy about that. The other thing that I have that is, in abundance are toads. I have a whole lot of toads all over this property and you hear them, you know, singing at night and I love it. I, I love listening to them. And, and my smallest dog, Allie, she guys, she got a hole. I knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. I think, you know, where I'm going with this. She chases the toads. She finally got a toad in her mouth, not for long, but if any of y'all know what happens when a dog gets a toad in its mouth, it's not pretty. It can be toxic. Luckily she was fine, but they'll foam at the mouth because either there's a, something on the toad's skin or if the toad, um, basically pees out of fear and it's kind of their defense mechanism into the dog's mouth it reacts with the dog's saliva and it, it makes them foam at the mouth. So she comes into the house and she's foaming at the mouth. And I'll, oh, I was just watching her. I was, I was looking up like the symptoms, like, do I need to put a hose in her, in her mouth to get all of that stuff out? I mean, what do I do? So I read all the symptoms and apparently if her, if her pupils are, pupils are dilated, and if her heart is racing like really, really badly, then yes, I need to take her into like an emergency vet center or something. So I'm watching her and I'm watching her. She's absolutely calm. She's just staring at me really, really calmly and just licking over and over again while a bunch of frothy drool comes out of her mouth. <laughs> she was hilarious. And I'm petting her and I'm petting her chest to see if, you know, she has a fast heartbeat and she didn't, she was perfectly fine. Just staring at me, this little Westie with a foaming mouth. I mean, she's just, she has become more wild on the farm than any of us. I mean, she just loves to chase the birds, the toads, um, bugs, June bugs. Oh goodness. She, she is having the best time out here. Um, if you've ever seen Westies, they're white. Um, she is not white anymore. I mean, she's just a constant brown color. You know, she's like pig pen on Charlie Brown. She's just always dirty and she loves it. Sleeps in the grass all the time. So she's having a great time on the farm. Uh, I am worried that she's getting more and more wild and that she may not want to come in anymore, but, um, but she's having a good time. 
So Texas is doing good because we're protecting babies and I'm enjoying my farm, which is awesome. Um, but in the news, there's some other things that are going on. So we still have issues with sex education. And I was recently contacted by some uh, families from Illinois um, because their, their state, um, see in 2013, Illinois got a comprehensive sex education, but this year they passed that they were accepting the national education sexuality standards, which are the standards created by SECUS advocates for youth and answer. And they are very graphic, um, standards. They push, um, teaching children from kindergarten to second grade about gender identity, that gender is, uh, that sex is not binary, that they were assigned a gender at birth based on their genitalia. So they talk about their genitals in kinder to second. Cause how else are you going to talk about that? Unless you, unless you tell them about their genitals. So this is happening in Illinois. I got parents, um, emailing me just like, where's an, what op, opt out form can I use? What's going on? Can I even opt out? I'm not an expert on every single state, but I did do some research and I went to illinoisfamily.org. So if you're in Illinois, I want you to go to illinoisfamily.org and they do have an article here called sex education opt out for students. And they do have an opt out form that's listed on there that you can use. And they cite Parents Rights and Education, which is another organization that I really love. If you listen to my pre, uh, one of my previous podcasts with Missy Kara, she's the Texas director of Parents Rights and Education. But Parents Rights in Education has chapters in, in not every state, but they're trying to. They're trying to get a chapter in every state. But you can still go to their website and look at their resources. Um, another resource or opt out form that I really like is here in Texas with Carol Ayala and she founded concerned parents of Texas. She and I work together and present together quite often. We, we are such good friends. I, you know, Carol's my sister. So if Carol's listening to this, she, I mean, she can hear this. I'm like, Carol, you're my sister. Um, but Carol has a really great form on her website, her opt out form and it's concerned parents of Texas. And, um, so even if you're from another state, you can download her form and it's very thorough because on that form, she lists all the different things that you would want your child to be opted, opt out of, whether it's CRT, uh, there's all kinds of things that she's listed on there. So it's very thorough. It's very comprehensive in that, in that sense. And what you can do is you can download it and you can just erase the part that relates to Texas at the very beginning. I think it cites the Texas education code 28.004. You can just delete that and replace it with language for your own state. Um, but you provide this opt out form to your school, not just your teacher, but to the principal, make sure it's signed. Maybe you want to get whoever the principal to sign it. Maybe even have a meeting with them. I don't know. Get This is what I would do. Make them sign it so that they know they're acknowledging that they've received this opt out form and that it needs to go into your child's file. Give one to the teacher, let her know that the office have it, has it. Meet with your superintendent, let them know that they, they have it, um, you know, so that they're aware of what, that what you do not agree with. Put a cover letter on it, tell them why. Tell them that you don't agree with the national sex education standards that um, sound very official, but they're not. They're not, they were created by organizations 
that are affiliated with Planned Parenthood and they normalize childhood sex. They normalize um, LGBTQ. They normalize the transgender movement and they are going against parents' wishes and parents' values. Um, They are really trying to teach your child a set of values and beliefs that are contrary to most parents absolutely contrary and it's not their place to be doing this and i know all the parents are wondering how is this happening and i hate to tell you this but i'm going to say it anyway because our system is set up that way because government-run education will do this because they're not about the family they're about their own belief system and their own ideology. So this is, and I know, I know that I had a teacher get upset with me the other day. He's like, there's some good Christian teachers in the schools. I believe that if you're a good Christian teacher in the school, then this is what I believe. This is what I really believe. You need to be fighting this from the inside. If you're a good Christian teacher in the government run school, then you need to fight this from the inside. I'm not telling you to quit, but you need to fight it because these things are against family and they're against the Christian values. They're also against um, Muslim values. They're also against a lot of other faiths. So I'm not just, you know, this, this goes against a lot of parents, even parents who don't have a faith at all are not okay with these standards. So if you're one of those good teachers in the school that doesn't believe in this, then you need to fight it from the inside. Um, Because if you stay silent and go along with it, then you're watching these children be indoctrinated and burdened and harmed every single day. So fight it from the inside. Or you can be like my good friend, Carol Ayala, who is a teacher, but she quit her job and she's fighting it from the outside by, by helping parents. So the, to me, those are those options. Um, I could not work for an organization that is harming children, which is why when I realized that they were, what I used to do in comprehensive sex education was harming children in communities, I quit. And then I founded, it takes a family. So we need to take action. If you see something that is going on, that is wrong and harmful to any child or other person, then it is our responsibility to do something about it. So that is what's going on in Illinois. Um, another thing is that in Nebraska, this is really interesting. Um, you all need to start looking at there's okay. There's, there's several ways that comprehensive sex education advocates want to get into the schools because they, they basically want to teach children. They want to change the culture. They want social change. If you go to SECUS, um, they say that they have sex ed for social change. They want social change. And the only way you can change society and culture is by indoctrinating the children. They're not going to indoctrinate the adults because that's a waste of time for them. It's too much effort. All they have to do is indoctrinate the children. And that means like a predator, you have to, if you're going to indoctrinate children and that's your target population, then you need to go to where the children are. And like any predator, then you go to the school (laughs) because that's where the children are. Um, So that's what they're doing. They're going to the education system and there are supporters of theirs in the education system to make this happen. And so the different ways that they do it is they're either going to go from the local grassroots route. So they're going to go through the school board. They're going to go through your district and they're going to implement comprehensive sex education that way by bringing in a third party 
person or by training up the teachers on that grassroots local level. The second way is that they're going to change policy for your state, a law, an education law, mandating this kind of education, normalizing childhood sex and abortion, LGBTQ and transgender um, ideology. And the third way that they're going to do it to ensure it is, um, is coming through your state uh, education standards. So if they can change the education standards of the whole school, well, then they don't have to worry about law and they don't have to worry about the grassroots as much anymore because now it becomes the education standard. And it's a much harder to get rid of education standards than it is to get rid of a nonprofit that you bring into the school to teach one class. Cause once it's part of the education standards, it's part of every class. It's part of the whole culture of the school and it's part of the textbooks. So those are three ways. I think the fourth way is going to be that it's going to be federally mandated and just across the board coming from directly from the department of education. So those are the different, and they're, they're taking, they're coming at it at every single one of those ways. So I say all that because in Nebraska, the state school board was faced with bringing in comprehensive sex education standards into their school and, and putting them actually putting them into their education standards. And the state board was like, okay, yeah, let's look at this sex education. Okay. Thanks for bringing these standards who, whoever brought that to them. And, you know, in the article, it actually said the, the article is called the birds, bees, and everything between Nebraska goes to war over, over sex education. And they really kind of were, I read the article. I'm not an expert in what's going on there. I just read this one article, but basically the board was like, Hey, we didn't realize this was going to be so controversial. Like this is getting a lot bigger than we thought. I mean, we were ready to kind of vote on this, but now there's all this controversy and there's all these people testifying, like, what is this? And, you know, I have to say that I'm, I'm glad what they did is instead of feeling this urgency to please the people who wanted comprehensive sex education because they're, they can be pretty forceful in the way that they ask for these things. Um, they were not intimidated and they took a step back and said, you know what? We didn't realize that this was such a big deal. So we're going to postpone this. We're not going to make a decision and we're going to get more information about this and discuss it before we make a decision. So, uh, it's up in the air. So if you're in Nebraska, um, if you're in Nebraska, email me at Monica at it takes a org. That's the, my nonprofit side. Give me a call because I have people that you can talk to that can help with the education standards. Okay. So again, if you're in Nebraska, shoot me an email at Monica at it takes a org. Guys, I'm probably just asking for hundreds of emails, <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's not the case, or maybe that is the case. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, when I get the information together, if I don't reply to all of your emails, uh, because it might be the same answer to all of you anyway, I'll put it out in a newsletter. Okay. So go to Monica at it takes a family or, or go to it takes a family.org and sign up for the newsletter. And, uh, and you'll get some updates there as well, but I, I can, I, I do know of an organization that can help with that. So, um, definitely, definitely contact me, but on, t but with all of that guys, um, you know, constantly fighting the school is on, obviously th these are our children. 
So we are going to be fighting for them at school boards, city council, wherever we need to go. We're going to be fighting for our liberty. We're going to be fighting for our parental rights and to protect our children and that we are the authority over our own family, not the government, not the school, not anybody else. We need to reclaim our parenthood. We cannot abdicate our children and our responsibilities to someone else to teach them about anything, to be honest, especially sex, marriage, relationships, race, critical race theory. I mean, we are the ones that are in charge. And it means that we need to get educated. And it means that we need to get that education and then we need to teach it to our own children. And so when I talk about Deuteronomy, in the book of Deuteronomy, God talks about how we should, uh, and if you hear something in the background, that's my husband on his tractor still. <laughs> but anyway, um, talks about how we need to be the ones teaching our children. And he tells us how to teach our children. He tells us that we are to do it consistently. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. He's not kidding. He really means that you need to be consistent in your teaching and not just once a day, but did you hear that? He said, when you sit at home, when you walk along, when you lie down and when you get up, we have to be consistent. And, and let me tell you why this is also important. Cause if your child is going to a public school, majority of their time is spent at the public school where they are being indoctrinated all day long, five days a week, and they have very little time with you. And so it makes it even harder for you to implement Deuteronomy 1119 in teaching your children consistently because someone else is doing it for you and they have a lot more time with them than you do. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you really need to be doing it more. One thing that I learned in, in this is, you're going to laugh at me. I've been, you know, we have the, our, our hay crop and right now it was about a week ago overrun with weeds. I mean, just weeds everywhere. And we went to the ag extension cause we're learning how to take care of our own crop. So what do we, how do I get rid of these weeds? How do I kill all of these weeds? And there's two things that stood out to me that they said, well, said number one, um, the reason you have weeds is because you don't have grass. If you have more, you know, if you have more grass, it'll drown out the weeds and know that you will always have weeds. And so as I started, you know, I started plowing. So instead of using herbicides, we started plowing. And so turning over the dirt so that the weeds were now uprooted. Okay. And then of course the next step now is going to be planting seed. I mean, there's a few more steps, but we're going to plant seed. And they said, when you plant, plant them dense, like really like you're going to need a lot of seed because you want enough grass growing so much grass that it's going to drown out the weeds. The weeds cannot grow where there's grass, which starts with seed. And they said, dense, plant it densely. And, and maybe some of you know where I'm going with this. When we teach our children and plant those seeds of God's truth in them densely, and according to De Deuteronomy, when we get up, when we walk along, when we sit down, when we lie down, when we eat, 
if we are doing that with our children, we are planting so many seeds that the weeds can't get planted in them. And so I, you know, okay. So I'll have to admit my time on the farm is not always that spiritual, <laughs> but, but it was this time. And, and it was just such an eye opener because you know, I was thinking, I just need to pull out the weeds. And that's what we're thinking. Like I, I need to challenge this and fight this. And I need to pull that weed out. And I'll, Oh, I saw another weed. I need to pull that out. And I need to pull out all that out, but we're neglecting the planting of the seed. So if we plant the seeds, which is God's truth in our children, and we plant it densely and consistently, and we nurture the ground that is being planted on, we nurture those children and they become that, you know, we, that's our priority. So really get them, you know, where they're getting all those seeds and, and we're being consistent with them and giving them God's truth. Then those weeds that come and plant in them, they can't stay because there's so much of God's truth in them. Now they're able to apply God's truth to what they see in the world. They're able to pull that weed out and say with their critical thinking skills and say, no, this doesn't fit. So I'm going to pull it out. This doesn't fit. Abortion doesn't fit because I know fetal development. And I also know that God says in, 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 in the Psalms that, that he knew me before, you know, before my mother even knew me, that he formed me in my mother's womb. And so when your children know those things and they see fetal development, then they know that that weed of abortion doesn't fit. And so they can think critically for themselves and pull that weed out. So that's my lesson from the farm (laughs) is that it's not so much about pulling out all of the weeds. That's our strategy, but it's really about planting the seeds of God's truth densely in our children, densely, which means the only way that we can do that is if we're, also planting God's seed within ourselves so that we can actually teach it to our children. Okay. So that's, that is so important to do, um, because we need to be refreshed with God's word ourselves. And I'll give you one of my tips that I just discovered. I always thought it was cheating to listen to the Bible, like an audio Bible. I always thought I need to read it. I need to read it and study every word and look at the history and look at every definition. And honestly, I wasn't enjoying it because I wasn't getting the full context of the Bible. Well, I recently found an audio Bible, uh, and I'll, I'll have to put it in the newsletter or something. I don't know if I'm allowed to advertise it or not, but because they're not paying, I mean, I mean, they're not paying me for this or anything. I don't think that this is a problem for me to share it with you guys, but it's, um, I found it on, on audible actually, and it's the word of promise audio Bible, the new King James version. Um, and I believe it's like by Thomas Nelson, but what it is, is that all these actors, um, are reciting the new King James version of the Bible and they have like sound effects in it. And I have, I have learned so much about the context of the Bible by just listening to it, um, in the last month than I ever have in trying to read it all on my own. Now I still follow along in my Bible. I definitely do that. And I definitely still read the Bible but this has really helped me a lot too. So if you are like me and, and everyone is different in the way that they learn, get creative about the way you bring God's seed or his truth, uh, and plant it in yourself. 
um, and with your children as well. You know, if, if they're not big readers, then, then telling them you got to read the Bible may not be as helpful as maybe sitting down with an audio Bible like this one and helping them follow along in the Bible. That would be a lot more enjoyable. Okay. So get creative with, with their learning styles, with who they are, take the time, ask God, help me to see what my child is like. What is their personality? What is their way of learning and help me to adapt um, to them so that I, that I know that they're learning. Okay. So it, we can't be teaching from just our own perspective. We need to make sure that our, we know our children well enough so that we can teach them in ways that they can learn best. Um, and, and hopefully I can bring some more research. I will. There's actually a book that I'm reading right now that I think will be really helpful for this. And so I'll bring some more of that into the podcast, but, um, I'm going to go ahead and finish because I've probably been talking way too long, but I enjoy you guys so much. Feel free to contact me at Monica at it takes a family.com. Um, or I'm sorry, Monica at it takes a family.org. Um, if you'd like to book me as a speaker to one of your organizations or as a keynote, um, you can contact me at Monica Or if you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can go to Monica If you want to support my nonprofit, it takes a family that would be at it takes a family.org. The money that is donated to It Takes a Family is tax deductible. And I use those funds to help take me to smaller communities that are not affiliated with an organization, but they really want to hear the truth and they really want to get the skills and the resources they need to help uh, grow their children and protect their children from the, these ideologies and really to strengthen their families, to really get that, those seeds planted in their own family and strengthen family. Um, and so many a time those smaller communities may not be able to afford a speaker fee. And so the donations to it takes a family helps me to travel to them and to bring them resources. So uh, if you'd like to support that, please go to it takes a family.org. But next week, guys, make sure that you listen to the podcast next week or for the next several weeks, because I have interviewed and this is all just an honor to me. I had four parents contact me asking if they could be on my podcast because they want to share information with you. They, they are parents who have a child who identifies as transgender. And these parents are not affirming their children in being transgender or in a transgender identity, but they love their children. And so they're walking with their children. They're not affirming it but they're loving them. And these children are minors as much as they are having to deal with their own family issues. They have such big hearts for all children and all parents that they want to be on the podcast because they want you to know what they know. They want to warn you. They want to give you tips. They want to help you understand what's happening so that you can protect your family. So next week, make sure you tune in um, to the Monica Klein show because I will have each of these parents on a separate episode sharing their stories. Um, and so I, I know that you're going to learn a lot from them. So 